Hello, my name is Clayton, and welcome to another episode of the Watch Dang Podcast. I'm a professional dog runner and watch enthusiast talking to his pals about dogs and watches. How is everybody doing? Thank you so much for listening. You know I appreciate it. Hope you're all doing great. It has been a crazy April for me, and it will just continue. (laughs) I had my sister and nephews out here for a week, which was awesome. But we are not uh, used to children here at the house, so as much as I love my nephews, uh, I need a vacation from that. (laughs) They left in the morning, and I went back to work, and I almost feel like I needed a couple days just to sort of recuperate from, you know, a 16-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old, and lots of driving. Uncle Clayton uh, drove a lot, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Wouldn't take it back for the world. It was fantastic. This weekend, doing family stuff on my wife's side. And then next weekend, we are hosting a course of a progressive dinner. So our neighborhood is awesome. All the neighbors get along. Many have lived here for you know 30 plus years. We've lived here for 10 now. And every year we do what is called the progressive dinner. Four different households will host four different courses of a meal. You know, drinks, appetizers, main course, and then dessert, right? So we're actually doing the first course, which is drinks and then appetizers too. It's a potluck type thing. Everybody kind of brings something to one of the courses. But as the host, you know, we have to prepare a good deal of the appetizers and have a lot of drinks here on hand. So (laughs) it's going to be fun, um, you know, cleaning up after having my three nephews here for a week and then going right into hosting a a party. A little stressful, but we'll get through. We'll get through. So people will spend an hour here and then we'll walk to the next house, the next house, the next house. So can't wait. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, a little stressful to prepare for and, It's been hot here. It's like 90 degrees. It was yesterday. It will be today. I'm recording early in the morning. Couldn't sleep last night, partially because it's not really air conditioning weather yet, but it is 90 degrees. It's not even mid-April yet. (laughs) And then next week goes into normal April, 50s and 60s again. So this was just a blip, Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's tough working outside and it's hard on the dogs You know, everybody thinks dogs love like summer weather, but no, they prefer January. You know, they prefer 20, 30 degrees. (laughs) 80s and 90s is not dog friendly. You have to worry about, you know, overheating, making sure they have enough water. Um, It is a stressful time to pack a bunch of dogs in a van and go out to a farm. And there's no leaves on the trees yet. So there's no shade either. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's been a rough couple days um, transitioning into working again after vacation and then just dealing with this heat. So I'm ready for the weekend, which also will not be restful. But anyway, enough of my groaning and griping. Like I said, my family was here and we did some fun stuff. And of course, I snuck in some watch window shopping. (laughs) We went to Newport, Rhode Island last Friday And I went into Saltzman's, which you're familiar with probably if you watch, you know, TGV had their watches. I think Rob, uh, Bruce Williams may get some watches from there. Kevin from Wrong Time Watch and others, they have their sort of flagship store in Newport, Rhode Island. Went in there for a while. I've been in there before. I met Richard before. Uh, 
but yeah, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of time. So I just kind of looked at the Brightlings and Oris, um, you know, not a huge selection. Uh, it is a l- rather large store, but the selection just, you know, wasn't great. I don't know if they were waiting for a shipment of watches to come in or something. Uh, I think they rely heavily on online sales, <laughs> but uh, I know they have another location closer to my house and they always seem to have more. Actually, they have more brands. They It's a smaller store, but uh, they seem to pack more watches in there. But anyway, then I went to a really cool shop called Grenin's of Newport that I've wanted to go in for a long time. It's a jewelry store and a watch store. They carry a lot of brands you may not see on a regular basis. Wild stuff. Uh, there's a brand called Zanetti that I got to check out. I guess it's like a craftsman in Rome who hand makes all of the watches. Uh, he will custom make something for you. <laughs> she showed me some watches, uh, one that he made for the owner of Grenin's that was the dog, I guess. It was his dog. It was all like bedazzled and jeweled. They make some crazy watches. I know they make a diver with like a piranha on it. Uh, <laughs> really wild stuff. It's up there in price for sure, especially if you have it gem set and uh, custom made. It's going to cost you. But uh, it was cool to see that stuff. Not going to see that anywhere else. They had Chrono Swiss, which was really cool to check out in person. Louis Monet, uh, Speak Marin, uh, a couple micro brands too Nevada Grenchen, Ocean Crawler. And one uh, gentleman who had bought watches from there for years had passed away recently, and his family sold his entire collection back to Grenin's. So it was also really neat to check that out. Got to see a Daniel Roth, Vacheron. He had Speak Marin. He had Cartier. He had just an amazing collection of watches, and it was all on display there, and it was really neat to to check those out. So yeah, fun, fun store, really wonderful woman that helped me. The Azimuth brand as well, Mr. Roboto, they had those. That's huge. That's a huge watch. They had two different sizes. I didn't uh, try either on. <laughs> I know my friend Amon has one, uh, and it's really cool. Tim Masso has a Mr. Roboto as well. So I'll put a link to their uh, website in the show notes and uh, you can check out some uh, off the beaten path watches that you might not normally see anywhere else. And then the next day we got up super early and we drove three plus hours to New York City. My family's from small town Michigan, so they wanted to go to New York City, see a couple different things, Times Square, the World Trade Center site and Central Park. And I thought, you know what, we can do that. I think we can knock that out in a day. (laughs) You know, it was Easter weekend, so I wasn't sure. You know, New York's crazy regardless of the day, but especially, you know, when many people have vacation, it's school vacation for holidays and stuff, spring break. So I thought, well, it might be crazier than usual. So let's beat the traffic. Let's go super early. We woke up at 5 a.m., Doing that with three kids is a, a challenge, but they were troopers. <laughs> they were excited. So we we got there a little after 8 a.m., parked for $24 for the whole day. We went to a Celtics game in Boston a couple days prior to that, and it was $50 just to park for the game for a couple hours. We were parked in New York City for over eight hours, and it only cost 24 bucks. <laughs> and it was right by Times Square. It was super easy. Not as daunting driving there as you might think, actually. 
from here, it was straight down 95, get off the last exit before the George Washington Bridge a couple miles, and we were parked and on Times Square. It was crazy. Uh, worked out really, really well. But of course, we got there before everything was open, but my eyes were drawn immediately to the Invicta store. <laughs> you can't help but notice that bright yellow storefront. And uh, next to it, Tissot. And then the Swatch store. I had actually heard a couple days earlier they had the Moonshine Gold Moon Swatch for one day and one day only. It looked like it was uh, pretty chaotic. <laughs> More on that later. So we walked around and, you know, the kids had to go to the bathroom. Finding a public bathroom in Times Square was a a challenge to say the least. And I'm I'm looking at my watch and I'm noticing, okay, Swatch door opens at 10. Should I try to get a moon swatch? <laughs> uh, so after a while, my family was looking for somewhere to go to the bathroom and they were interested in different things. I said, listen, let's split up. I'm going to go and wait in line at the swatch store. I really want a moon swatch. I'm here. Why not try? They're like, fine. <laughs> so I go about, I don't know, 9.45 and there's already a line. There's two different entrances to the store. There was a line on both sides. Like, oh, geez. And the woman came out and announced that they did have moon swatches, that we were only going to be allowed in a couple people at a time. Uh, everybody was pretty cool. They announced which uh, moon swatches they had. And I couldn't hear her. She was talking very quietly and it was loud. You know, it's Times Square, so it was loud. <laughs> uh, and some people walked off. So I was assuming they didn't have anything or it was just like, you know, the Pluto and, you know, the sun, the ones that are sort of less desirable. But anyway, I was like, I'm just going to wait in line, see what happens. So I finally got in there. It opened a little after 10 and they, I was, I was not first in line to say the least. So it took me a little bit to get in there, but I asked her again when I could hear, you know, what they had. And she listed off several and they had the Mars and, you know, uh, they didn't have Jupiter. I would have probably gone for Jupiter if they had it. But I decided to, you know, I liked the Mars when it first came out, uh, you know, a, a take on the Alaska Project Speedmaster. So I said, oh, gosh, all right, I'll take a Mars. Why not? And she's like, OK, great. And I, I bought one. <laughs> so I am the proud owner now of a moon swatch. And I didn't wear it in New York City. But upon getting it home, I, I don't see why everybody's ripping on this watch. It's so fun. The packaging is fun. Seeing all of them at the Swatch store was great. And I know not everybody lives near a Swatch store. I don't. I live near Boston. They don't have one there. I had to go to New York City uh, to, you know, get one. But I don't know. The, the whole experience was fun. There were people of all ages in line. I was speaking with the, the woman who helped me, and she said, yes, she was there for the one-day-only release at that store of the moonshine gold moon swatch she said it was absolute pandemonium people were crazy people were rude fights broke out all that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, but yeah she said it was just nuts she said demand is still every day there's a line most of the day for people trying to get in to buy a moon swatch um, she said it, it really has never wavered since they were released over a year ago now you know people always beg on the quality. I think it's fine for what it is. It's a swatch. You know, it's, I think total, it was like $285. And <laughs> they're going for more than that online because not everybody can get themselves to a swatch store. 
logistically or for whatever reason. So I don't know. I think they're great. I'm a Moonswatch fanboy. I think they're priced just right. Uh, I absolutely love mine. And then we jumped on the subway to the World Trade Center site, which was very powerful. It was emotional for me. Uh, Just seeing the names on the memorials they have there, where each of the towers were. Um, My wife's family has an acquaintance who passed away in one of the towers that day. And we were looking for his name, but, you know, there's people standing in front of some of the names, so we couldn't find him. Uh, But we were thinking of him that day. I never knew him, but uh, my wife asked if I could look for his name. She didn't come with us. Uh, And I tried. Uh, Yep, it was very emotional for all of us, even the the kids who none of them were alive when, you know, 9-11 happened. But, uh, you know, just seeing seeing how emotional people get while they're there. I cried. You can't help but not feel something when you see the names of these poor people. So to lighten the mood a little bit, we went into the mall next door, the Westfield Mall, and that is like watch heaven. So I needed to pick me up after that. There's another Swatch store there. <laughs> I went in. They actually did have a Jupiter, but I was satisfied with having the Mars. <laughs> but now I'm kind of kicking myself like, ah, I should have just bought another one. But uh, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but that guy, I had my Fortis on and the the guy working at that Swatch store immediately was like, what are you wearing? He had a glass of water. So he actually got his finger wet and touched the crystal and you know, it's the frosted crystal Fortis that I, I love. And he's like, oh, this is so amazing. I love this watch. And uh, we got to talking. So it was really neat to see that he was act- an actual watch enthusiast. And yeah, so he said it's still the same thing as the woman at the Times Square location said that the demand is still through the roof every day. People are coming in asking for the moon swatch. When I was there, people came in asking. They have a Tissot boutique there as well. Um, Went in, didn't try anything on there, but they had every PRX imaginable. It was really cool to see them all in the case. Um, I'm glad I I have zero watch budget (laughs) because I actually could window shop without being super tempted by anything, but uh, yeah, they looked great. Uh, Went into the Longines boutique, got to try on the Avigation Big Eye, the titanium with that blue petroleum dial. What a watch. I was always interested in seeing how it would fit me, and it works. It worked on my wrist. I think one day that watch will be in my future if I ever have the budget for it. <laughs> um, yeah, titanium, so super light. You know, Longines lug to lug tends to be a little long, but no, it works just with the weight and the dial, yeah, I think it works on me. I tried on the Zulu the, the GMT. Yeah, I felt like that wore a little big on me. I wasn't crazy about that watch, to be honest. Uh, just wore a little big, bigger than I would like. But the uh, Avigation Big Eye worked just fine. I went to the Breitling Boutique, talked to a very knowledgeable salesperson there named Connor great guy. He, uh, once he picked up that I was a fellow watch geek, you know, we had an awesome conversation. He actually went to Geneva, uh, last month. I think he said for Breitling, he was only one of 10 salespeople selected in the entire country. Uh, yeah. So that was really needed after the heaviness of 
the World Trade Center Memorial to go in there and do some watch shopping. So if you're ever in New York City, the Westfield Mall is sort of uh, watch heaven. There's actually a couple jewelry stores there as well that have Tudor, JLC, Nomos, IWC, etc. Several brands. So yeah, really great watch shopping there. And, uh, you know, that was the extent of what I was able to do watch-wise in New York City, but it was a fun but exhausting day, (laughs) to say the least. All right, so since this podcast will be dropped on April 15th, traditionally known as Tax Day, (laughs) I thought we'd do something fun today, and I would perform an audit of my four years in the watch hobby. I'm right at around four years in this wonderful, weird world of watch collecting, and I thought it might be fun to audit myself. (laughs) So if you're hearing this on April 15th and you're panicking, thinking, oh man, those are due today? (laughs) Fear not. The deadline this year is actually April 18th, since the 15th falls on a Saturday, and 17th is Emancipation Day. Tax day this year is the 18th, so you have a few extra days to get your shit together and get those taxes filed. (laughs) So what is an audit? We hear that term all the time, but what does that actually mean? It's an official inspection of an individual's or organization's accounts, typically by an independent body. Well, I'll be auditing myself, so (laughs) take it for what it's worth. And it usually has to do with finances. We're leaving money out of it today. We don't like to talk about money all the time when it especially when it comes to how much we spend. (laughs) So I'm going to go by the other numbers. Watches owned, brands owned, and break it down like that. And you'll be able to take a guess at how much money I've spent. Uh, Newsflash, it's a lot. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes when you really sit down and kind of dissect the numbers a little bit, it's a little shocking. Now, I did not add up money totals, but just sheer number of brands, and watches, and all that. It's a little (laughs) eye-opening. I guess I always knew that I bought a lot of watches, but this really hits home. Does it scare me, or do I have any regrets? No, uh, not really. (laughs) I've done it, you know, borderline responsibly along the way, uh, selling uh, to buy the next one, really. So, yeah. Really no regrets, but it's a lot of watches. (laughs) Maybe I would have tried to be less impulsive at times, but uh, eh, whatever. So let's go in to my watch collection audit here. So four years in the hobby, just like that, in the blink of an eye, that is 1,460 days, 48 months, many weeks, you don't need to know. (laughs) So how many watches have I bought in 48 months? Ooh, 181. And I think I'm leaving some out. But to the best of my knowledge here, 181 watches in four years. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, let's break it down even further. 104 new watches, 77 used. 68 of those watches have been divers. I have bought 40 in person from either friends or authorized dealers, department stores, etc. 54 unique brands. Real quick, Ulsta, 
the Jaws watch. I love that movie, and when I saw that watch come up, I went for it. Eh, a bit disappointing, to be honest. Uh, Aquadive. Bulova. I've owned three Bulova total. Brightling. I had one, the Endurance Pro. Uh, Boulder. Borealis. Casio. We'll get to Casio more in a bit here. <laughs> Cartier. I've owned two Cartier. A Vintage Caravelle. CWC. Carpenter, a micro brand out of New York City that I was graciously gifted. I've owned nine Citizens. A Damasco. Dorenzo. Fortis. A couple Gruen. Three Grand Seiko. A Gerard Perigo. Glycine. Hamilton, H. Moser, Islander, yes, I bought two and I've actually been gifted two over the years, one by my wife and one by a friend. I've owned one Invicta, a Luminox, two Lorio. thank you Jody from Just One More Watch, among the first watches I ever bought, <laughs> a Daytona and a Submariner homage or copy watch. One Laurier, one Laco, one Longine. The collaboration with Hodinkee, the Sector Dial. That was a great watch. I kind of regret selling that one. One Mido, one Oris, four Omega, three Orient, one Orient Star, one Ocean Crawler. We're going in alphabetical order here, if you haven't noticed. One Pagani Design, another... One, thanks to Jody. <laughs> this was actually, I don't believe it's an homage, actually. It was a Mecha Quartz chronograph. It was only like $40. I remember seeing it and thinking it was a great deal. I, I saw Jody's video on it. I got it, and it was sort of a bezel-less chronograph, more of like a dress chronograph. The crystal literally fell off within like an hour of wearing it. I tried to screw it back on. I couldn't. I just not impressed and I just, I threw it away. <laughs> I was done with it. What a hunk of junk. Not only do I just not really respect Pagani design, if you like them, more power to you. Um, but I just have a sour taste in my mouth for making that crappy watch. <laughs> uh, four Rolex, one Raven, a Raketa Big Zero, thanks to Kaz from Two Broke Watch Snobs. <laughs> and it was real because I got it from DC Vintage. He always gets a lot of emails asking if, you know, their Raketa Big Zero is real. And as he will say on the podcast, most of the time, they are not. This one was. It was from a trusted source. I've owned over 30 Seiko watches. We'll get to that more in a bit as well. Swiss watch company, Swatch. I'm counting the moon Swatch as a Swatch. Synchron, another homage here. A steel dive. I had a steel dive Willard for a bit. Zinn, Shinola, Squale, Tudor, Traska, Timex, Vostok, Weiss, Waltham, Wenger, and Zelos. 54 unique brands. Uh, break it down even more. 18 microbrand watches over my time. 18 vintage watches as well. All right, so let's go into Seiko. <laughs> uh, 30 Seiko watches. 16 were bought new, 14 were used, 3 of them were vintage, 2 were gifted to me. I love Seiko. Seiko and Casio are 
as you will see by this, by far my favorite brands. Um, I only have two right now. I have uh, Seiko Quartz. We don't know what year it is. You know, it's dated on the back with the serial number. I don't know if it's 93 or 2003. I don't think it's 83. But uh, it was found in my grandmother's room at her nursing home. And after she passed away, my mom gave it to me. My mom has no memory of her really ever wearing it. <laughs> um, and I don't remember her ever wearing it either. But uh, we're not sure if she stole it from some other room or what What the heck happened. But uh, it is in my possession now. I've never really worn it, uh, but you know it's special nonetheless. Um, yeah, so, and then I have the Samurai that was gifted to me by my wife. I got that in my first year of collecting. It was my first Seiko. She got it uh, for me as an anniversary gift. We got it from Kohl's. <laughs> I think I told this story before. She bought it for me, and I immediately noticed the bezel had a huge gouge in it. So we brought it back to the Kohl's she bought it from. They didn't have another one. They were able to locate one in another Kohl's, so we went and got it from that store. <laughs> so it was a fun day. It's a very special watch. Uh, I love it. I wear it quite often. For dog running and such, and I will never, ever, ever sell it. And then there's Casio. By far, my favorite brand. I think there's actually 51. <laughs> there might even be more. Uh, 38 were purchased new. 14 used. Out of those, three were vintage. And seven I bought in person, all from Walmart. <laughs> the others, you know, I've owned some titanium G-Shock Squares. I've owned just about every kind of Casio, you know, the uh, F91Ws, the A158, the A168, several different Duros, the World Timers, and then, you know, the Full Metal Square, the John Mayer G-Shocks. Now we're getting into the limited edition stuff that goes up in value. Uh, three different Titanium Squares, the black one, the blue camo, and that crazy trans Tixie with all the multicolored <laughs> uh, links, which is kind of cool. Uh, I've had an Oceanus, a strange, seldom mentioned model line, Casio Beside. It was like a really neat red dress watch. <laughs> they're on they're on eBay. I think maybe it's just only available in Japan, but uh, you can find them on eBay. I gave that one to my sister. She wears it a lot and gets a lot of compliments on it, she said. The Bamford 6900, the NASA G-Shock Squares, the Mario G-Shock Square, which I gifted to my good friend Sanjay. Um, you know, a couple vintage. I had the Casio Arnie. <laughs> I think he wore it in like Kindergarten Cop, maybe Jingle All the Way. I had that for a while. Uh, the, a Timber Cruiser, which I gifted to my good friend Tom Bushy from Hasler Instruments. That was a 90s uh, JDM model line. So, so many. <laughs> but uh, I've loved them all. And now I only have one. So let's do the math here. I have 14 watches in my collection total right now. I think only five I have bought with my own money. The rest have either been gifted. Let's do the math. What is it? 167 watches either sold or gifted. <laughs> That's a lot, right? Oh, man. 
The flipper's tax on that amount must be insane. I don't even want to do it. If it were a real audit, I would figure that out, but I'm not going to. <laughs> now we're getting to the depressing part of this audit. That's a lot of money lost, but a lot of watches enjoyed. And I've gifted watches to several people, which makes me feel good because I've been gifted so many watches. I had a client give me a Gruen Curvex uh, for Christmas in 2021. He's had since the early 80s. He got it fixed up. We share our watchmaker in common, actually. And he gifted it to me. It actually made me cry. It's so thoughtful. And that is a very classy watch. It's a tank style watch. Um, it's beautiful. I do wear it small by modern standards, but it's vintage. And uh, I really enjoy it. And it will always be in my collection because uh, it was such a sweet gift. And maybe one day down the line, I will gift it to somebody who might appreciate it as well. Yeah, so boy, that's a lot of watches, a lot of shipping. <laughs> uh, I remember, I think it was 2020 or 2021, at the end of the year, my wife actually, we're doing our taxes and she's like, do you realize you spent like $700 shipping out watches? You have a problem. <laughs> I don't know if it was that much, but it was a lot. I was like, I know, I know. Yeah, and then I went through all the months, 48 months in the hobby, right? There have only been two calendar months where I have not bought or traded a watch. That's even probably the most sad part of it, <laughs> right? Ugh. Only two months was I clean and sober, so to speak, and didn't buy or trade any watches. Those months were September of 2020 and actually December of 22. Other than that, I've either bought or traded for a watch and every other month I've been in the hobby, 46 out of 48 months. That is uh, that is pretty scary. <laughs> a thoughtful buyer, I am not. I am certainly impulsive. Um, and yeah, that's about it. I just thought it was a fun exercise to do to kind of look back. I don't keep meticulous records, but I do write down what I wear every day, what I've bought for the year, and what I've sold. Um, yeah, so it's kind of fun. It's fun to look back. And just see what's gotten me to this point in this crazy hobby. Now, what I'd like you guys to do, if you want, if you're so inclined, do a watch collection audit on yourself. It's festive, right? I like to do episodes around these uh, holidays or <laughs> honorary holidays. I don't know if you'd call the tax deadline a, a holiday or what you'd call it, but uh, it's kind of fun. Do an audit. However you might want to do. If you want to include money spent, money lost, that's fine. But yeah, talk about the brands you've owned, how many watches you've owned, how your tastes have changed. My tastes have changed big time. I'm more into dressier three-handers now. I used to be exclusively dive watch heavy before. Now I'm more into three-handers. How have you evolved? How have you changed? How have your spending habits, how have your buying habits changed Shoot me a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear your watch collection audit. <laughs> All right, guys, just a fun, quick episode. I, uh, I would love to record with a guest. I don't know if I'll have time to fit it in. I think Sanjay and I are hoping to get one in real quick next week. But uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you're so inclined, leave a five-star review, share the podcast with a friend. I really appreciate it. And remember, sometimes... You're the dog, sometimes you're the hydrant, but at least you're outside. We'll see you on the next episode of the Watchdog Podcast. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>